This is EdTech Now, a short podcast about education technology and how it's used in the classroom. EdTech Now is sponsored by StackUp, a Chrome browser extension that tracks reading online for teachers and students and delivers metrics to administrators. Here's our host, Noah Geisel, Education Director at StackUp. Hey, Noah. Hey, Lee. Great to be here today and great to have our guest with us for a return engagement. Matt Miller uh, is on the podcast for season two. Matt is a teacher who's blended technology into his classes for more than 10 years. He is a Google certified innovator, the author of Ditch That Textbook, and fresh off the presses for the 2017-18 school year, along with co-author Alice Keeler, the new book, Ditch That Homework. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Noah. So good to be with you guys again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And jumping back into where we might have left off last season, you know, we talked a little bit about this mentality around ditching our textbooks. And, you know, when we think about where do we go once we adopt the ditch mentality, specific to OERs or online educational resources, you know, are they sufficient to fill the gap? And are there other educational resources that educators should be considering for students? I think it all sort of depends on where teachers are coming from and what they want to do. And I, I feel like OERs, you know, there's there's so much that's available out there now. And I think sometimes teachers don't realize what all is available. But I think that in, in many ways, we can sort of fill the gap in, in what textbooks have done in the past in that if we're thinking about textbooks as a place where we can go get information, um, go get content so that we can do something with it, then I think OERs are a, a really good place either to start or to supplement. Now, I think that we also have to be careful with how we use those OERs because we don't want to get into the mindset of let's just use those the same way that we used the textbook before because, you know, it's it's like that that saying that goes around in education circles so much right now that we can't just use technology for the sake of using technology. Now, I'm I'm a firm believer that we need to be able to kick things up to another level if we decide that we want to use technology. I'm actually of the opinion that if the world without technology or your classroom without technology is the same as with technology, then maybe you shouldn't even use it. Uh, But that's a, a whole conversation for a different time, I think. But I think that if we can use kind of like piece together a lot of these resources to become kind of like our Uber textbook, not Uber like driving, but Uber like awesome. (laughs) If we were able to do that and put together this kind of like great resource that has a little bit of this resource and a little bit of that so that it becomes exactly what we need, then I think I think they can really sort of fill that gap. You know, I I think what you're touching on there is something that is going to be salient with a lot of educators, you know, that you know, there's this kind of sense that as we dive into OERs, we're almost just assigning the internet to our students, right? Right. So, you know, I I almost hear you hinting at a a need for educators and learners to curate what's out there in order to, you know, help make it a little less overwhelming. What, 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 how do we go about that? Oh yeah, that's, and that's such an important point too. I mean, the internet obviously continues to grow at leaps and bounds. And I mean, I, I don't have any statistics on it, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that that it's just growing exponentially and all that's out there. And then, of course, when you throw in the fake news uh, component in it and not not being able to authenticate or vet some of the stuff that that students come across and even teachers come across, it can be really sort of daunting to be able to, like you said, assign the Internet. But I think 
even though it's daunting, I think it's something that at least to some extent we've still got to do because obviously the internet's not going anywhere. Um, I mean, the, the form and the shape that it may take going off into the future may be very different than it is right now, but still the unlimited access to information is something that's still going to be around. And I'm glad that you bring up that idea of curate because I think that's something that teachers and students both could probably stand to do a little bit more and to learn a little bit more about is to, to find you know, some of these, some of these resources that are best and be able to get them into a list or get them into a folder so that now we don't have to just go do a random Google search and go find things. And I don't know that it's necessarily an educator's job to curate everything for students because that's a skill that kids need to be able to, to learn too. But then I think the other side of this also isn't that it's, is that it's not all necessarily about the resources and about consuming content. I think we've also got to balance that with creation too. So when I'm uh, quote unquote assigning the internet, I guess um, I'm thinking about what can we learn and what can we gather out there, but then also what can we do with it too? I'm firmly of the belief that the more that we can teach kids to do with what they've learned is going to be so much more valuable than just being able to consume it. Cause you know, it's that whole like consumer creator thing. We've got so many more people that'll just consume information than create it. So I think uh, students and then, you know, workers of the future will be really positioned well if, if they can become creators too. You know, I kind of hear you touch on something that, that I feel like is becoming a, a bit of a trend in the zeitgeist. And that's really, as we move towards, you know, personalized learning and, really trying to ensure that we're meeting the needs of all learners and giving them a chance to drive it themselves. And that that's that we kind of move from a place of learning being done to or for students to mm-hmm. learning being done by students themselves. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you go to just about any school or school district and you see the mission statements that say that we want kids to become lifelong learners. And if education is something that's being done to kids, then there's no agency for them to actually go out and <laughs> I'm going to use that curate word again, to be able to curate their, their own education. And so if we really want them to own their education, then I think we've got to turn a little bit more of that over to kids. And I know that's something that makes teachers nervous sometimes because we think, well, you know, that's kind of been our job for so long. And there's still a lot of parents and sometimes even a lot of administrators out there that will see some of that and they'll think, well, that teacher isn't doing their job. But I think, of course, it all has to come back to that lens of what are we do is what we're doing best for kids. And I think if we just continue to do to students in the way of education, instead of helping them create it, I, I think that we're not we're not serving kids as well. And I kind of like to think of it as I, I use sort of a, a rent versus own analogy to explain this sort of where, you know, are kids renting their education or are they owning it? And I feel like whenever we're doing it to them and they're just doing whatever they need to to get by, it kind of feels like paying rent instead of investing in a home that you're going to live in. I love that analogy and guess it, it takes on a whole lot of just pride also on the student side of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, listening to you talk about the lifelong learning aspect, that, that I'm guessing that's probably a good transition into the book you co-wrote with Alice Keeler, Ditch That Homework. 
you know, I know reading in the case of reading just that textbook, I found that the message of the book itself was a lot less arresting than the title suggests, and that it was really about a shift in mindset. And yeah. so I'm wondering what, what kind of discoveries should readers expect to find beyond the title of the new book that, that y'all wrote, Ditch That Homework? Yeah, you seem to have discovered something that, that I think a lot of people have too, is that Alice and I have you know strong opinions when it comes to homework and I just kind of feel like in general, we don't do a good enough job, I think, of giving homework a good critical eye to say, do we really need to assign this at all or could we assign less? And what I think, what I think the book is, is made up more of, it's, it, I think it's more of a call to modern teaching, not even necessarily teaching with technology, although there's, there's a lot of it through there. But the, the big question that I think comes out of all of this is what are some ways that we can become more efficient and more effective in the classroom so that we reduce our reliance on homework? So it's not necessarily just a, a call for all schools and all districts to ban homework. In fact, I think that's that's kind of a, a reckless way to go about it because it takes the decisions out of teachers' hands. But it's a little bit more of what can we do so that we don't need to send home a worksheet every single night. And first of all, I think if you're sending home a worksheet every single night, I think you really do need to give that critical eye to what you're doing. But if we were able to, you know, even with with mindful homework assignments, instead of sending them home three times a week, what if we could change what we do in class so that we only need to send them home one time a week? Or what if we did an evaluation of how kids are learning and what they're getting in their class to realize that even though we as teachers feel like we're doing our job by sending the stuff home, we realize that, you know, maybe they don't need that extra assignment or maybe it's not moving the needle as much as we think. And I think that that's, that's what a lot of it is about is can we rethink our practices and how often we do them, but then also can we do some things to become a little more efficient and effective so we need them less? Totally. And that just, that, that's some mind-blowing stuff there. It really resonates for me with what we see in a lot of the inquiry-based classrooms, mm-hmm. um, project-based classrooms where you know, there might not be homework, you know, air quotes, assigned. And yet, you know, right. kids at 8 a.m. the next day are coming and telling their teachers how they spent three and four hours doing work <laughs> for school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of go back to what you said about students renting or owning their education, their learning right. process. And when I think about, you know, worksheets and, you know, f- really formative assessments happening through homework, you know, do you think that one of the things that comes down to is just, is this what we're asking them to do outside school meaningful or not? Yeah. And is that kind of one of the kind of just keys in, in understanding what it looks like outside of the four walls of a schoolhouse is, oh, you know, yeah. is the learning meaningful and is that going to get them to own it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes down to a couple of things, you know, coming up with some things that, that like you said, are meaningful or even authentic, you know. I, I hear sometimes people say about homework, they say, well, uh, homework teaches kids responsibility. And if you don't get them to go home and do homework and then bring it back, then they're not going to learn responsibility and they're not going to be ready for college in the real world. And I think how much responsibility does it really teach when we cook up these inauthentic tasks and then say, you have to do this because we told you to? Something that we're trying to do uh, with the season two of EdTech Now podcast is tap into something, end every episode by tapping into something that really asks our guests what you're really excited about right now that you wish we would have asked you. 
One thing that I am just unbelievably fascinated by right now is the idea of brain science or cognitive science and how it plays into the classroom. And I seem to, whenever I write things or whatever I do presentations, I'm sneaking more and more of that in. And I know um, I'm not an expert by any means, but it's something that I've, I've started reading more and more about. And so I think that there's an awful lot of what we've learned about the brain and how it works and how it learns and how little of it has really trickled down into the classroom and how sometimes we have what I think are well-meaning teachers sometimes giving kids not so great advice about how to study or about how to learn because we've learned some things through brain science um, that, that are on the contrary. So, uh, you know, that's one, one area in particular that I think uh, as teachers, we need to continue to dive into more and more because it it's the stuff that helps the learning really stick after the kids leave. I ask teachers sometimes, does it feel like when kids walk out the door that all of the things that they learned that day just leak out of their ears and then you've got to go fill it up the <laughs> next day? And uh, this is the stuff that I think will will minimize some of that if we can tap into it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. This has been the EdTech Now podcast, sponsored by StackUp, the only tool that unlocks the learning benefits of the entire web while providing the accountability educators need to measure progress and engagement. With StackUp, you can measure and report online reading and learning for your entire district in less than two minutes. Go to stackup.net. I'm Lee Schneider. Thanks for listening.